0: Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. <laughs>
3: good morning happy monday it is the top of the hour here on the daily tip if you stick with us we've got a great hour on tap starting with mvp monday who had the best weekend across all of sports then at 720 postseason baseball plays for phillies d-backs and rangers astros then at 7:40, what we learned betting on week six in the nfl Jenks, i'm gonna start this hour with a bit of a brain buster. When was the last time we had a lefty buster. quarterback win MVP in the NFL and the Heisman in college football? Has it ever happened?
0: A lefty and a lefty? Oh, God. I would say no. That's just a guess. I don't think so. now somebody could correct me on this because one thing I am terrible with is statistics 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 uh, <laughs> statistics, statistics <laughs> I'm not gonna stati- it's statistics uh I I have a terrible memory when it comes to like statistics and award winners like my brain just I don't know why it doesn't absorb that information like it should and I'm trying to think of a left-handed MVP winners what the boomer Dan Marino never won the, Dan, well, like Dan, Dan D- Marino D- a right-hander no he's right-handed oh,
3: I thought number 13 for some reason I thought like underhandedness left-handed evil who was lefty (laughs) steve young steve young that's a
0: good one that's i think that's the only guy the only guy i can remember who's a lefty who won the mvp yeah that's the only one i believe
3: because i don't know why do we not see that many left-handed quarterbacks does it have something to do with the protection or the fact that most little boys or boys i should say you know high school boys that are really good at throwing things and are left-handed probably play baseball but I say this because this year we have a very good chance that this is the case. Because look at Michael Penix Jr., lefty. Look at Tua, a lefty. I feel mm-hmm. like this would be a huge day for lefties everywhere if they won the MVP <laughs> and the Heisman.
0: Hey, that's a good point. I wonder, well, you could just parlay it. I was going to say, I wonder if there's a left-handed, well, you can just bet on those and <laughs> put it together. So Phil's like, doing it yeah <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't have to be some sort of promotion for you to bet. That's the way I was thinking. So yeah why not? you know the two lefties if you're a left-hander and you're looking to stand up and back the lefties after all this time who have been blatantly ignored for their expertise in the National Football League and the college game yeah, little two lefty parlay.
3: Yeah, Phil Mickelson is saying, okay, I said I wasn't going to bet on the NFL <laughs> this year, but I what lied. about futures? Lefties got to bet on the lefties, right? He's probably chomping at this.
0: And then he'll probably add himself. Like, the next tournament I'm playing, I'll add myself. And <laughs> I'll make, make it a three-legger.
3: <laughs> Jenks, you're not left-handed, are you?
0: No, I'm right-handed. I can do nothing with my left hand. If I like pick something up with my left hand, I'm like, ooh, ambidextrous. Like, <laughs> I can do nothing with my left hand. Oh, look at that. Did you just grab? Look at this. i grabbing my drink with my left hand. Wow. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah, I'm not great with my left hand. If I, I can. I used to. I used to. Go ahead.
3: I used to try to be ambidextrous, like when I was in grade school. And I can write somewhat good well or somewhat well i should say if we're talking about school with my left hand but if you don't practice with it like you're not going to get good at it like i know a lot of people can do like certain things left-handed like my husband shoots basketball left-handed but does nothing else left-handed so i don't know if this is something that you try to teach as a parent do you know how many parents probably try to force their kid to be left-handed like if they're good at sports would you do this oh yeah
0: i no, i'm not gonna force my kid that I, I find that to be why not uh, because <laughs> i feel like honestly a lot of money. I feel, you could but i also feel i don't know this is maybe what's the whole argument the it i wonder how much of that you can you can teach it for sure but i feel like some of that is inherent and natural Like a kid just sort of like naturally is one way or the other. So yes, you can teach it to a point, but I also feel like if you are preventing your child from naturally being the way he or she is predisposed, then maybe you're preventing some natural talent from coming out.
3: I don't know, but also you could be preventing them from making a ton of money as a reliever in major league baseball. All right. So let's bring in David to chime in on this. Let's do a little MVP Monday and get David's take here.
1: MVP Monday. Yeah. All right, David.
3: <laughs> would you ever force a child to be left handed if you saw just like an inkling of them being good at things with their left hand?
1: My son's left handed. So, uh, oh, I
3: nature He's or nature. already done it. He's already
1: done <laughs> it. I, no, I would never force a, a kid to be left handed if he's not left handed. Uh, my son has the athletic talent of a thimble though but he is very musically oh. talented <laughs> oh god i love my <laughs> son to death he is not he, we we tried all the sports and i mean all of them soccer football baseball golf he just he's just not good at sports loves watching him loves talking about him but does not is not athletically inclined. He is very, very, very musically inclined to the point where he plays. I believe he's up to seven instruments now. So, oh my god, yeah, oh, he's, there you go, he's amazing. He's very talented. So he's musically. talented,
3: just yes, not in sports, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly.
1: Very creative, very uh. creative. And speaking of talent, let's get to our nominees for MVP Monday. Nominee number one. Ellick Manar.
0: Daniels finds his man. Aymanar.
1: Still on his feet. One man to beat. He's going to score. The Cardinal. Touchdown. 97 yards in a blink. Battling. Oh, oh my what a God. What a highlight. Iomaner! Mind your manners, what a catch! That'll make your Sports Center top 10. He took it off of Travis Hunter's hat. Holy
0: cow. Have a night, Alec <laughs> Io
1: Manor. Io Manor went for 294 yards on 13 catches with three touchdowns, including the 97 yard catch and run. Stanford came back from 29 down at halftime to stun Colorado 46-43 in double OT. Io Manor's other touchdowns went for 60 yards and 30 yards. Nominee number two, Jordan Montgomery, Rangers. And
0: here comes Bruce Bochy. That will be
1: all for Jordan
0: Montgomery. What a terrific performance for the native South Carolinian. Here tonight, six and a third shutout innings with six
1: strikeouts, and he'll head back to the dugout, having retired the last eight batters that he faced. Montgomery leads the Rangers to a 2-0 win in game one of the ALCS against the Houston Astros, giving up just five hits, all singles, and striking out six. Montgomery outdueled Justin Verlander and kept Texas perfect in the postseason as the Rangers have won all of their games thus far. Nominee number three, Michael Penix Jr., Washington. Penix backpedals. Goes right downfield and in traffic. It's Pike with a leaping catch at the 16. For the end zone. Forget being patient. Oh, Dunze! And Washington takes the lead. My goodness, what a 1 2 punch from Penix. Penix Jr. went 22 of 37 for 302 yards and four touchdowns as Washington held off Oregon 36 33 to remain unbeaten at 6 0. Michael Penix Jr. hit Rome Adunze with the winning touchdown pass with just over a minute and a half to go in the game. Nominee number three, Tony Adams and the Jets D. Third and nine at the 46.
0: Hertz facing a four-man rush over the middle
1: Adams had one of the Jets' three interceptions of Jalen Hurt and recorded seven tackles as the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets knock off the Eagles 20-14. to Philadelphia was the last unbeaten team in the NFL. New York held Philly to 80 yards rushing and forced four turnovers. Jakes, who oh. is your Monday MVP. I am going
0: with Jordan Montgomery of the Rangers. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say it's Michael Fenix. It's Michael Fenix. Michael Penix was awesome. There is no question about that. But we knew this was going to be a score fest. I hope he wins the Heisman Trophy. I love his story. But I think you need to understand the situation that Jordan Montgomery has been put in. Number one, this is the American League Championship Series, okay? This is going up against the Astros we've just been in this spot again and again and again and Jordan Montgomery wasn't supposed to be in this spot. Jordan Montgomery was supposed to be behind Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. So here he is in game 1 against the Texas Rangers who have been absolutely smoking the baseball and not only and not only that he outduels Justin Verlander. I mean, my Lord, the pressure upon this guy who comes in wasn't even supposed to be in this position, in this spot, to perform the way not only that he performs in this game, but how he has performed throughout the regular season or at the end of the regular season, getting them to this point. Jordan Montgomery, Rangers.
3: I think there's a lot of good candidates here because I think we also need to do a little hat tip to the Jets. Their defense, putting them in place to – beat two really good teams this year and the bills and now the Eagles, but I'm going to give my MVP to the guy that's probably going to win the Heisman. Now, Michael Penix Jr. Certainly had his Heisman moment in the biggest game of the year for Washington. Usually I'd say, okay, the ALCS is the bigger moment here, but looking at the schedule. Is this not the turning point game for Washington? This was a top 10 matchup against Oregon usually, or before the season, you would have said, okay, well they've got USC coming up. I think this is gonna be the harder game, you know, going against Oregon as opposed to what we have seen from USC thus far. So this game not only had Heisman implications, also had college football playoff implications. This kept Washington alive uh, for that conversation. So I think this was probably the biggest game of the year. And after the game, you could see it all over Michael Penix Jr.'s face. He was crying, uh, tears streaming down his face as he was talking uh, with the reporter after the game. And what a moment it was for him. It wasn't just the stats that he put up, but some of the throws that Michael Penix Jr. lofted down the field. It felt like you were watching a top-tier NFL quarterback here. And that's saying a lot. There's not many. So I feel like a combination – of uh, being at his best when the pressure was on for a season uh, for the team's hopes to remain alive for the college football playoff, and also just the highlight real plays that he put on film for this game. So it was a Heisman moment for Michael Penix Jr., and also his MVP moment for me. Michael Penix Jr. of Washington, MVP of this Monday for me.
1: I am going to agree with Chelsea. It's Michael Penix Jr. What you want in your quarterback in those spots is a leader of men, someone who does not break, someone who can take the moment and just thrive in it. And that was Michael Penix Jr. on Saturday, unlike other quarterbacks that we may have seen completely poo poo all over themselves. Just say Caleb Williams. Oh, it was Caleb Williams, ladies <laughs> just and gentlemen. Say it. Absolutely 100%. And that is why I will profess. I don't know if he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, but that's neither here nor there. It was Michael Penix Jr.'s day. Unbelievably great day for him and the University of Washington. So mine goes to Michael Penix Jr.
3: I think this was a tough one, though. Because Jordan Montgomery definitely deserves some credit. uh, Because this was a huge game and jordan montgomery has been nails throughout the postseason for the rangers here especially a rangers team that was not supposed to have the rotation to go toe-to-toe with the astros so this is a big blow when you hand the astros a loss at home with their ace throwing who by the way threw a really good game like justin verlander only giving up two runs in this game is still a very good start against a very good rangers offense but it was a great weekend in sports i'll say that
0: yeah, it was awesome. And it, it's tough. Look, I'm not hating on Michael Penix. I love Michael Penix Jr. So you can make a strong argument either way. And I am I just love his story. And I, I've always been a big fan of u I don't know why one of my friend's kids are going to u and is excited to be a Husky. So I, I, I think he's going to get his and win the high spin And I'm glad he did it on a big stage because this was his high Heisman moment.
3: Oh, for sure. And a very important game because in college football, even though it's October, you know, second week in October, it's still a huge game for the rest of their season. We've got to get to break on the other end. It's time to analyze some baseball postseason picks after the break.
2: Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network.
3: And we are back. Thanks for tuning in. On this Monday, October the 16th, we are knee-deep in some excellent postseason baseball. We have two games tonight between the Rangers and the Astros. And the Dimebacks and the Phillies, in just a few minutes, we'll give you our favorite plays from both of those games. But before we get into that, Jenks, I had a very degenerate moment over the weekend where I was sitting in the living room with my in-laws and guess what game I was forcing everybody to watch? The Patriots and the Uh, Rangers.
0: Because my
3: best bet was the under in this game. So not only was I making them watch two of the worst offenses in football, I also had everybody rooting for no points to be scored. So like, this has to be the worst situation when you're like, no, I'm just rooting for no points here. So we're like cheering every time they have like a three and out or something. Have you ever had one of these moments where you're like, wow, maybe I should tone it down a bit.
0: (laughs) I haven't. Well, yes. Sometimes I, I just feel your pain of cheering for an under is the worst it's just the worst feeling. I did that on, was that Thursday night or Friday? That was Friday night when NC State, wait, was that Saturday night? No, it was, I'm all over. That was Friday. It was Friday. Okay, yeah, I was right. So, Mm -hmm. NC State playing Duke, and I was on the under in that game. And let me tell you, I was watching that game. the lovely Catherine and I went out, and then we decided we would just chill for a while. And then she went to bed. And right before I went to bed, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to watch into this real quick. And, God, I'm just sitting there cheering for a one yard stuff at the line for an incomplete pass. And I'm like, why are you getting so into this game? This is the worst. And you're cheering for an under. I just get sick to my stomach. I'm like, A, I don't care about this game. B, this is not a great game. C, I'm cheering for an under, which is no fun. So I just sort of hated myself that I was watching. You ever watch a game like that and you're like, I hate that I'm doing this. I need this to be the right side, but I hate that I'm cheering for all this boredom and terrible football.
3: Yeah, it's almost like in basketball. I think basketball unders are the worst to root for because there's nothing worse than having an under, and as soon as you turn it on, it's like swish of th- of a three. Oh, they go to the other side? Oh, they make right. another three. There is no variance that feels like it can like swing on the pendulum very quickly other than betting unders in NBA basketball. But I was watching this game too because obviously NC State try to watch my home team or my – um. My alumni team, I should say, because I went to NC State, and I was thinking uh, of you because it started pouring down rain at halftime. I was like, oh, well, this mm-hmm. has to be good for the under. So, yeah. like, it was an under game. You won that one, right? That was it. I under. did.
0: Yeah, one and one for yeah. the weekend. I needed that one, and I was like, yeah, the rain helps, but, gah, part of me is just that's why it's tough to bet unders and i think that's why i don't know what the splits are but i feel like if you're a casual better or if we looked at public splits you would definitely see people tend to bet overs more than the under and it's because of that very thing which making yourself having the discipline to say i know i want i want to watch an over game but i'm gonna bet on the under because it's the right side it's just something you honestly those are the games you should probably just not watch and just look at the score later
3: yeah, but unders were really the play in the NFL. Unders yeah. won a blistering 11 and two yesterday. I have no explanation for that. I'm not sure why all these games were so low scoring, but sometimes unders are the play. And let's get into this for postseason baseball because we've talked mm-hmm. about this on the show before. Unders in number one elimination games and number two postseason games feel like they are more the play than regular season games because each game is so meaningful. And we're seeing a lot of the same relievers being used because each team clearly wants to win the game. Mm -hmm. It's not like a regular season game where they're like, okay, this guy's already thrown. This guy needs to get some work. No, you're putting the trustworthy guys in. So you're using all of your best relievers. And also you usually have an ace on the mound if it's game one or game two of a series so let's get into some of these games that we have tonight in the MLB postseason let's start with the Rangers and the Astros this is game two of the series Rangers lead it one game to nothing but they're underdogs again tonight even money for the Rangers Astros minus 120 Total of eight and a half. Nathan Avaldi goes for the Rangers. He's two and oh with a one three two ERA in the postseason. Uh, and we have Framber Valdez going for the Stros. He's 0 and one with a 10 38 ERA uh, in the postseason. So, Jenks, are you going to take a swing on some plus money here, or do you think the Strohs bounce back at home?
0: I actually am going to go with plus money on the Rangers here don't know if I will bet this game but you mentioned it and that's where I'm going I part of me is is because I've been I've been burned by Nathan Ivaldi, and if you look at how he finished the regular season it really was not good he really struggled but you pointed this out a couple weeks ago or maybe it was last week which if you look at his postseason splits he's been exceptionally good in the playoffs and he's been very good in this year's playoffs as well two runs over 13 and two thirds innings in two outings. So I faded him before he keeps burning me. If you look at Framber Valdez, we've seen him only once during the postseason against the Twins. Chelsea gave up five runs in four and a third innings, but he was simply not good against the Rangers this season. 4.32 ERA. I like the value at Texas at even money. So I'm going Texas money line here.
3: I think I'll go Rangers in the first five here. Uh, Nathan Ivaldi, I think, has the clear edge over Fram Valdez, although it should be pointed out that Evaldi had one bad one against the Astros back on September the 5th, only went one and a third and gave up four earned runs off of two home runs. But you've got to remember that was during a stretch where he was kind of struggling. It feels like he has found his stride yet again. And also he did have a good one against the Astros earlier in the year, went seven shutout with uh, five strikeouts and only two hits scattered across the board. Uh, So I think this is a value play squarely here. The Rangers have just as good of a lineup as the Houston Astros here, I think they have the better starting pitcher here. And also they have the momentum. Doesn't it feel yeah. like the team that's on fire right now is the Texas Rangers. So I'll take the Rangers here, especially with the the power that they have in their lineup, they're playing at uh, Houston, which has a short porch and left field. So I think home runs are going to be a plenty in this one. Mm-hmm. I feel like we just talked about unders. But if there is a candidate for an over game, I feel like this may be it just because yes. uh, both these lineups are so, so good. Uh, but I think Rangers in the first five is where I will go uh, as a value play. Wouldn't talk you off the Rangers in the full game either. If you like that at even money before we move on to uh, the D backs and the Phillies, anything mm-hmm. else you think better should know before betting on Rangers and Astros?
0: Well, the only thing I would say, and you just touched on it, is that if there's any series that has the propensity to hit the over, it is this one, just because of Mm -hmm. the bats involved, because of the experience involved, and particularly right now, the ballpark involved. You mentioned that short porch in left field, and I think that's a a very good point to make. I like the under tonight in Philadelphia, but Citizens Bank Park is definitely more of a hitter-friendly ballpark, one of the more hitter-friendly ballparks in all of baseball. So – uh, what I would say, if if you're handicapping, Rangers and Astros in particular, maybe look at the over first, but also take the ballpark into consideration. I feel like during the year that we mentioned that sort of at the end of our handicaps, but it's a real thing, and particularly in the postseason when these numbers are so tight, it's just another element of your handicap, handicap that you should consider.
3: Oh, for sure, and you could tell last night, Justin Verliner almost seemed – uh, afraid to throw it over like the cross over across the plate, which obviously you never throw it down the middle, but he was just throwing away, away, away. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because he was a little afraid of that short porch in left field. I think this is gonna be an over series when we get to like game five or something, because right now you still have your aces throwing, yeah. but once we get mm-hmm. to like the, the other guys, and I know we'll probably see Justin Verlander throw again, but I think both of these teams are extremely top-heavy when it comes to their rotation. But when we get to like the third and fourth starter, I think that's where you take some overs in these games. And also, the bullpens aren't nearly as good as they have been in years past. Yeah. So let's get to the NLCS between the Dimebacks and the Phillies. Arizona, plus 140. Philadelphia, minus 165. Total of 7.5. Zach Allen facing Zach Wheeler. A Zach-on-Zach Zach matchup. Uh, And the D-backs have been a great story in the National League, upending the Dodgers in a huge upset in that series and one of the hotter offenses we've seen all postseason long. But here's where I think I'm going to stop backing the Diamondbacks here. They've had a bit of a layoff, and we have seen what layoffs Mm -hmm. do to some of these offenses. Maybe it's the case for the D-backs here. Like, I'm not squarely fading them. I just feel like this is probably the toughest position that they've been in all postseason, going on the road to Philly, one of the toughest places to play in all of baseball and facing the true ace of their staff. Zach Allen has been incredible this postseason, 1-0 with a 2.18 ERA. So I think you kind of have to get creative to find a play in this one. Jenks, uh, are you doing something kind of uh, in the weeds here or are you just taking a side or a total? Mm -hmm.
0: I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the total and I'm going to play the under here. So you know what I'm going to do. You know how I do it. I'll play it up to eight and then hit the under. I believe the under for seven and a half is juiced to minus 115. I'll play it up to eight and hit it at minus 140 at MGM. I faded Zach Gallon during the regular season because of his home road splits, and I know some people are still on that. But playoff baseball is different, and Gallon has been very, very good. That's what you want, Right. These big-name starters in a spot like this, I think they tend to step it up when it's playoff baseball. I think that's what we're going to see from Zach Gallon. He's allowed just two runs in each of his two starts in the postseason. Also, going back to the regular season, just two runs or less in each of his last four starts. And then Zach Wheeler has been brilliant thus far, a total of three runs, a total in two postseason starts. And in his last nine starts, going back to the regular season, Chelsea, he has allowed more than three runs only two one time also one thing that I think is very important here everyone's rested everyone's ready Mm -hmm. all bullpens both bullpens on both sides of the both sides of the you know of of the equation here so
3: equation no
0: matter who you (laughs) equation sure so no matter who you like here you can see a starter get a hook very quickly because of how important these games are and because everyone is rested so I'm going to go under eight
3: I like that and i think i started with the first five under first five under four but here's the thing both of these bullpens have been very good two the two best bullpens remaining in the postseason are the phillies and the dimebacks both of these uh mm-hmm. staffs uh as a relief corps have eras under two the phillies right now sitting at a plus a one four five era the d Backs sitting at a 177 ERA so so far these relief cores have been extremely good and even if you watch the Phillies man these guys throw hard So I feel like that is the play you factor in the bullpens you get a little bit more wiggle room because first five unders can be a little tricky uh You know it can go right down to the wire even if both pitchers are dealing say it's a 2-2 ball game That's only a push mm-hmm. for you So I think the full game is the better way to go the other play I like here is is uh zach wheeler over 16 and a half outs it is a little long but here's the thing the urgency quite isn't as strong when it comes to a seven game series yes if he's getting hit up they're going to take him out of the ball game but if he is being pretty solid here say if he only gives up a couple of runs they're gonna keep zach wheeler in there so it feels Mm -hmm. like the urgency isn't quite as uh as urgent i guess you should say as opposed to a wild card series where there's only three games even you know the ds where there's five games now we're up to seven game series this is the ace of the Phillies staff it feels like the phillies can at least give him a little bit of run support here i know that goes against my uh total play but we will see some runs scored but i do think eight is too high of a total so i'm gonna go under eight with you i think that's a really solid play and i'm gonna go zach wheeler Over his outs prop of 16 and a half. Even if he gives up some outs, I think they'll let him right here.
0: Oh, I like that a lot. Just because if you look at the two pitchers, and both of these guys are great, but Zach Wheeler has been the better starter, right? So I'm I'm tempted to take the Phillies on the money line. I like the Phillies in this spot because of Wheeler and because of how they've been hitting the ball, but ultimately I just don't feel, I don't want to lay a buck 65. It's not bad, but it's just kind of a little too much for me. So I'm going to stay away from that. So I think Wheeler is a smarter way to play it where you're getting better value and you're not laying nearly as much juice, but also you're betting on a guy who I think has the edge as far as starters go.
3: Right. Because as somebody who has been driving the charge for the Diamondbacks, I don't love fading them here, but it's like a soft fade. Because I do think Zach Wheeler can give us some runs and still stay in this game, uh, but this Dimebacks offense has been red hot. And that's the trend that I've been kind of banking on. But I don't know. You look at the Phillies at home. This is not the position where I want to fade the Phil's. Like, and I'm not taking a minus 160 or whatever on the money yeah. line. But still, like, I think I'm a little too afraid to go against them. Like, doesn't it feel very hard to fade the Phillies at home?
0: Yeah, the Phillies look like they might win it all. And if I'm going to fade them, it's not going to be in game one in this spot with their ace on the mound at home in that ballpark, which is probably the best home field advantage in all of baseball. We've heard a lot of baseball players say that. A lot of visiting players say, I've never heard anything like this. I think that is a factor as well. So if you want to take the D-backs at plus 140, I get that. There's some value there, but I can't fade the Phillies right now.
3: Also, the Dimebacks have had like a mini layoff. So maybe that has cooled their jets a little bit, but we'll see. The Dimebacks have been proving people wrong all postseason long. So I am excited to grab my popcorn and watch a little postseason baseball tonight on the other end. It's back to football. The lessons that we learned uh, or no Monday night football. We'll have our plays for you. That's next. to make some bets and we've got plenty of good candidates to do so tonight as we have Monday night football and some postseason baseball. So you have three very good options uh, in sports and I haven't even talked about hockey. Jenks hockey games are going on, right? Is there hockey mm-hmm. games tonight?
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I was looking at an under in the, what, the Blue Jackets, Red Wings game, maybe an under in the Caps game tonight. Against the Flames? I don't know. Maybe an over in the Blackhawks game against the Maple Leafs? So, as I've been talking, I've been looking at the NHL. I just don't know if I have the proper time to put in the handicap that I need. I don't want to just throw something out on the fly. Matt says he loves that Leafs over. I kind of like that, too. Total set at, what, six and a hook. Just to the over minus 120. So, yes, I've been looking at hockey as I've been talking, but I want to put in a little more research, maybe have a little more sample size before I actually put in a bet. But, yeah, it's ongoing right now. It's in the background. It's in my head. I just haven't talked about it yet.
3: Yeah. So for the rest of the show, Jenks is not going to be dialed in. He's going to be looking at honky bets. So just (laughs) bear that in mind. This is the problem with doing a betting show. You have two people who are very passionate about betting, but you tell us, okay, you need to talk about topics and not look at bets right now. And you're like, well, how am I supposed to go against my inner personality? You hired me to love betting. Now I'm doing it. And it's a problem. I think we face this problem every single day on the show. Like during at least one oh, yeah. segment, one of us is like, all right, so I'm just going to filibuster here until I can figure out this bet.
0: <laughs> yes. That's how you know I'm filibustering when you'll say something and I'll repeat it like it's new information. And you're like, Chelsa oh, I totally agree. Said that. I do that all the time. <laughs> you'll be like, you know, you know, I really like the under tonight in the Cowboys Chargers game, Jinx. What do you think? You know, Chelsea, I think I like the under tonight in the Cowboys Chargers game. You're <laughs> like, hey, you moron! I just said that, like th- th- those words verbatim. By the way, so that's the and the problem too is when you have a, I think, and this is where I have a uh, not an issue, but it, it's just more of a challenge is that when it comes to hockey betting and you're doing a three-hour radio show, people generally don't care about hockey betting. They don't, and I understand that. We have to go where the money is, where the action is, where the public cares what they are what they are betting on. And most, if you compare to baseball right now, playoff baseball, basketball, football, hockey really doesn't resonate. So for me... I tend to base my bets on the research we do naturally as part of putting a show together. But if I wanted a hockey bet, then it's like, all right, then I got to go, I got to jump off the page here and do something that we're not going to cover on this show and maybe look at it here. And so it requires a little bit of extra work, which I don't mind, but also that's when sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I'll do it during the show.
3: Yeah, that's the, the harder part is because you're passionate about something, but also you have to do more work which I am passionate about not doing more work. So I'm going (laughs) to choose the easier route. So I will stick to the sports that we are doing for the show. But I bet you there's some hockey fans out there. There are a lot of people that like to bet on hockey and there is some value to be had. So Jenks, I don't think you're alone, but let's get to this Monday night football because there are some people clamoring for plays uh, in this primetime affair between the Cowboys and the Chargers uh, line on this one is sitting at Cowboys minus two, a total of 51, which is steadily crept up since opening at 47 and a half. So you're looking at this line and this total and it looks like it might be the best primetime game we have seen thus far because Jenks, we haven't seen a lot of good primetime games like last night. It was quote-unquote a good game because it was decided decided in the final minutes. Mm-hmm. But have we seen like a back-and-forth scoring affair in any of these primetime games? Like I'm looking at the Monday night games, and we have had, uh, let's see, Bills-Jets, 22-16, Saints-Panthers, which obviously that's not going to be a good game, Browns-Steelers, yeah. 26-22, <laughs> Eagles 25-11 win over the Bucks. And then Rams Bengals was 19 to 16, Jags 23 to 7. Like, is this the game where we finally see like touchdown after touchdown and a thrilling finish to a primetime Monday night game?
0: I mean, it's possible. The number tells you, or at least the money tells you, that the over should be the play because it opened at 47, went to 51. <sighs> 51 is a lot of points especially after what primetime unders went 11 and two did you just say that did i just zone out like i was just talking about yeah so i will say this sometimes the number moves too much or so much that then you feel uncomfortable because maybe it's the other side four points in the national foot i mean four points for any total but especially in the nfl compared to the college game it is very significant so yeah i would have liked the total over at 47 48 but now it's at 51 i guess i i don't know i i would stay away from the total here it's moved enough to the point where now i think maybe the under is the right side because that's so many points on the board i will say this one thing that does give me pause if you're looking at the under is that the chargers defense is very very bad this season and they've allowed some points yes the dolphins racked them up and put up a lot of points on them a lot of yardage but they have been Very mediocre against mediocre or below average teams in the NFL. Chargers have the second worst overall defense in the National Football League. Against the past, the worst defense in the NFL. So if you're looking for one thing you can look at, if you're thinking about the over, the Cowboys at the very least should be able to put up some points here.
3: I think a lot of this hinges on if you have still some belief And the Cowboys defense, because what was it four or five games into the season? This looked like one of the best defenses in the entire league. And then Mm -hmm. they gave up a 42 spot to the Niners and everybody just started assuming, well, I guess after that Cardinals game too, gave up 28 spots to Arizona. So like the, the, the arguments and the complaints have been building against this defense. Mm -hmm. Jenks, do you think this is still a good defense?
0: Yes, I I do. I do. I think that I think so uh, two too. things here. I, I think that they, yes, they had a they had a bad game against the Cardinals. It happens. Bills had a bad game last night against the Giants. We see bad games all the time in the NFL where teams that should not lose, lose. It happens. And then when it comes to the Niners, well, the Niners are just in a different class. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to fault the Cowboys because they went into San Francisco on a Sunday night football game and just got drilled by a team that I still believe is the best team in the NFL. They're just in a different class right now than Niners are. So when you look at the totality of their season, the Cowboys do have a very good defense. And Micah Parsons himself is a one-man wrecking crew. I know there's a lot of other guys who are talented on that D, but the Cowboys do have a good defense. I like the Cowboys tonight. I think it's a good buy love spot on Dallas just because of what we saw last week against the Niners. I know that's fresh in a lot of people's minds, and that's a good time to grab a team when everyone says, oh, they're bad, they're not any good. I know we've seen some Chargers money come in, but I don't particularly think that Los Angeles has a home-field advantage. For some teams, yeah, and a home-field advantage playing at home is worth three points in the NFL. We know that. I think it's overrated when it comes to the Chargers. We're going to see plenty of Dallas fans in attendance tonight. Because Dallas is a bandwagon team because the Chargers don't have a good home field. And I do think this is a good Cowboys team. The narrative right now is Dak isn't any good. Dak throws a lot of picks, and he does. But also, if he's going to have success, Chelsea, it's going to be against a defense that is worst in the NFL against the pass. If you're a decent quarterback, you should be able to have success against the Chargers.
3: Well, also built into the line here, and if you're wondering why is this line so short, the Chargers are coming off a bye week. But do we think mm-hmm. that Brandon Staley is going to like work up some tricks in his bye week? Uh, I think for a good head coach, this is when you really like to back him coming off a bye week. And I will say the Chargers are uh, getting a little healthier despite Mike Williams on the IR. Uh, Joey Bosa, I believe, practiced a little bit yesterday and uh who else came off the, the injury report justin herbert was on the injury report uh for a little bit and also austin eckler so a huge boost to this offense getting austin eckler back so it is a team that's had some time to prepare and some time to get healthy i do think that is built into the number a little bit why the spread is mm-hmm. so short i do think the cowboys are probably the better team but are when we're talking about these two head coaches I don't think I really want to trust either of these teams if it does in fact come down to the final minutes of this game. Do you want to trust Brandon Staley answers no. Do you want to trust Mike McCarthy answer is no for me. So I don't think there's a side that I like in this game. And this total seems way too high. So let's go to the props world and see if we can find some value there. Because usually, if you have a total this high, it means it's going to be a good game for props, where both of these offenses kind of have uh, opportunities to shine. Uh, So for me, you look at the injury report, Mike Williams on the injured reserve, which receiver is going to take up his targets for me it's probably going to be all about Keenan Allen he has had some monster games this year had uh, 215 yards against the Vikings had 111 yards against the Titans granted those are two very bad pass off uh pass defenses so maybe he doesn't put up those type of numbers his number is 83 and a half though tonight I think he is going to be the go-to guy for justin herbert or if you want to go the tight end route because that has been the kryptonite for the cowboys uh at least against the 49ers if you remember george kittle had that shirt that said the not not so nice things <laughs> about the cowboys on it and he torched him had three touchdowns in that game and the tight ends have been the leading receivers for the opposing team against the cowboys in three of five games this year, George Kittle, uh, Hunter Henry, and Darren Waller all were leading receivers for their team. So maybe you focus your attention on Gerald Everett. He's been kind of hit or miss this year, but still, I believe his number is 25 yards here or two and a half reception. So maybe that is a play as well. Jenks, I know in the props world, you have your eye on somebody. Who is it?
0: I'm going to look at Austin Eckler tonight, and I'm going to go over his receiving prop, which is set at 31 and hook. It's also the BetQL five-star best bet. I saw saw this after I made this selection. But ultimately, I think when you look at Mike Williams being out for the season, so certainly if you like Keenan Allen, that's another reason to like Keenan Allen. This is why I like Austin Eckler one thing the Cowboys do very well is pressure the quarterback pressure the quarterback so if you're going to pressure Justin Herbert what does that mean little dump off passes in in the flat just getting it to Austin Eckler in space and letting him run also first game of the season had 47 yards receiving against the Dolphins I think this number is too low going over for Austin Eckler
3: Austin Eckler usually puts up some pretty solid numbers no matter if it's receiving or rushing the guy is a huge part of the Chargers offense. When we get back, it's hour 3 of the Daily Tip and our week 6 overreactions to the weekend that was in the NFL. Stick with us.
2: For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL network, the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.